30. 29. Get on with it. Fine. 3, 2, 1. We have liftoff. Yay. Yay. Welcome to the Hooving Review. I am Michael. I'm Shelby. Colin's here in Edspace. And Jeremy's still here. And tonight we're going to be talking about Warrior's Gate, the final eSpace trilogy. Woo! Entity. I just want to say that I that Stephen Gallagher was the guy who wrote this, and I just feel like the writing in this episode was awesome. You know, it had a gripping storyline, some great, very fast character development, really distinct characters. We got to see great highlights from really all of the, the major characters in this. And uh, there were some of the best one-liners, like, in all of Doctor Who. For example, we'll burn that bridge when we come to it. Classic. <laughs> K-9 going through where his margin of error is, like, always widely more than like his actual instrument and it's just and canine throwing scientific principles in people's faces they totally failed to beat up a mirror like it it was just there there were just so many brilliantly written aspects to that and i just wanted to start us off there Mm -hmm. that's a good starting point like i you know i found this to be more gripping than other um you know stories of its age i think that there is um, it really just gets to the meat of the matter mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways, and it flows well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I know it was a different flow, you know, back when this was written, you know, in, in the 80s, but... And but not being able to watch it fits more, Yeah, but it fits more in, in today's age. Mm-hmm. And also, Adric was, like, way cool in mm-hmm. this story. And up to this point, I think Jeremy can attest more than anyone else that uh, he, he really wasn't bringing his A-game, but as soon as he's faced with these math problems, he's like, oh, let me help you triangulate that, and is just, like, <laughs> kicking butt through this whole story. Uh, did he earn his Wesley Crusher cred? He, he's, he's finally earned some cred. It, it, matter of fact, at, at first I was like, what are you doing taking Kid Nine apart? And I'm like, oh... Okay, you're doing something smart. But then, I, then I, I was always trying to find a moment where he was making a mistake because he, that was his M.O. up to this point. Then this is like, oh, you're competent now. And oh. it really didn't take him that long to learn how to be competent in all these crazy situations. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At this point, he's like, he got his doctor, his doctor uh, legs. You know, how, how to go on the TARDIS 101. He finished the course. <laughs> And uh, I, I think, for me, it was like all it was all the nice show and don't tell. Like, yes, we knew that K nine was broken, but there was always the cute little thing of K nine was going backwards into rooms all the time. You're like, oh, I, I mean, I always have a very soft spot for K nine breaking down stuff. 
I mean, and how can you not? But I mean, Canine was great in this oh, episode. Oh, like he was, he was breaking down, but he was in the action. He was hilarious. He was. He, this is <laughs> yeah. actually him. Like my at first, I was sitting there because I've gotten into the motion of them trying to underutilize Canine, which they've been doing a lot. And all this episode, right when he like blew up and all the smoke came out of her, like another reason for Canine to be broken. But then I, I, I figured out, oh, this is the send off. And we're going to make Canine the best little robot dog you could ever have. He was such a good boy. <laughs> such a good boy. I mean, even though Canine was dwarfed in a lot of ways, he was centered in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. too. Um, so I, I really appreciate that. It was, it was very valued, and, you know, he had his one-liners, too. <laughs> Just like the rest. I mean, he, he admits his, you know, 89.7% or whatever. Error. You know, I, sh- error I, sh- I should point out that this is Canine Mark II. This is the second version of Canine, because another version actually goes off with Vermont, or with, with somebody else uh, earlier. And what's interesting is that in the audio stories, both versions of Canine, Mark One and Two, get together because both of the other characters who own Canine get together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll find out probably who that other person is a little bit later. Oh my God, I want to hear those stories. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> really fun stories. It, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty cute hearing Canine with Canine. Also, let's give it up to our 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 little side side uh, comedic group. The the two mechanics, the, yeah, who, the, the, who like really just hated their jobs. They were they were, <laughs> they were they were like, like sarcastic. The bare minimum. What can we do? I, and and honestly, at the end at the end of it, like in going on to the end, but the guy's like, no, I I'll do the bare minimum of the job, but I'm not going to torture people. I'm I'm getting the heck out of there and let someone else deal with it. And like, it's more like. His job sucks, and he knows it. Like yeah, and compared to like the puffed up captain who just like thinks he's so important, and then also is evil. <laughs> it's, it's what happens to captains. You, you don't know, but it, like it, it was, it's like it was a great. It's like really, distinction. It, it was like, it, and it was also I thought really cool how they sort of turned it on its head a bit because mm-hmm. we see that the. Um, whatchamacallit, the Therals, you know, used to be the ruling class, and they had slaves and treated them poorly. And not that that justifies, you know, themselves being enslaved, but you kind of look at it and you go, wow, they're, you know, there's more to this. There was a lot of depth. But the, but the, and the best part about that, that uh, actually was sort of like, at one point he's talking to him, like, yeah, well, we're, we're, we, we're the rulers, we're the strong, right? And everything else. And then he comes back and it's, just, and it's like, nah, I was wrong. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we've learned. We've yeah, been, we've been punished enough. <laughs> so, so it was like at one point, I'm like, oh, where is he gonna go? Is he gonna punish? Is the doctor gonna punish them? Like, no, no, they've been punished through their own hubris already now. And I thought that was cool. Yeah, there was like an interesting amount of of balance to it, where yeah, you do feel like, okay, yeah, maybe they were justified being punished like that, but not forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think Captain Warwick definitely gets chops for being one of the most uh, demanding of captains anywhere <laughs> on any episode of Doctor Who. And it's so I perfect that his crew is just, like, so apathetic. <laughs> well, I think the only the only criticism I really have of him is his final lines where he's trying to laugh. I don't think that was the greatest scene. Um, but, but I think he did pretty good throughout most of the story because he, he really pulls off the, the, basically the asshole of the whole bunch. And I mean, you just want to 
I, I just wanted him to get kicked by one of the Therals, but no, he never. They never touched him. They they kind of were working on their peaceful side. I mean, what was I think really well done about him too is that like he just very you know, was very narrow-minded on it. He was like, I'm here to make money. I do not consider these Theros people. They are just objects. They are cargo go. And he consistently treats them like that the whole time. It's like at one point where he's like, okay, I've decided basically that I'm not going to get that extra bonus. So whatever, let's burn through the Theros and just like give it our best shot. And everyone's sitting there going, what are you talking about, man? That's crazy. But maybe it's not if you really truly believe that those are just objects. I mean, that's that's the whole thing about slavery. You, you, you dehumanize someone to that extent. Exactly. It was so well depicted. Yeah. Well, I like the parallel because then you also have the Therals who in the past actually were enslaving the humans. So it kind of... Or the human-like creatures. Yeah, yeah. Is that never really say that? Like, we, we know that they're humanoids. They look human. But we've seen this before. Right. It, well, it's, say it's, it's not Star- human, but... It's well, a Star Trek role. Like, you have also billion planets already out there that basically they don't worry about makeup. They just do different costumes. <laughs> well, we don't... I don't know if it was ever stated whether these... Whether the humanoid creatures that were in the, the dwarf alloy ship were actually from end space, but I... I thought they were. I thought they had somehow got themselves trapped in e-space, just like the Doctor. Yeah, it wasn't mentioned. I mean, it could have gone either either direction. Yeah, they, they, they could have come from point. e-space and gotten stuck in the night. I don't think Correct. that was established either, so there are, there are some mystery, you know, around... That's why I think they're... I, I do believe they're supposed I, to be human. I think that they are, are from e-space, or at least at some point originated there, because the Therals seem to clearly be e-space creatures... Hmm. And so, and like these people had been enslaving them for, you know, generations probably. And like, you know, so they've got to be from the same place or at least these particular individuals were born in e-space. This is one of the few things where I think now in more modern Doctor Who and modern like storytelling in general, we have a better understanding of what a world is, like the universe is like. Whereas then they're like, at one point they said in one of the previous ones, they're like, e-space is very empty. Like, there's that many things in it. And so it was like, okay, so there's not much to life. They couldn't find planets for a while. But see that there now it feels like it's more brimming with, with technology and stuff. I don't know. They've, well, you know, had yeah. three encounters. Yeah, I know. You know, who but knows how not, long they've been there. No, but there. still, like, you know, you'd think a change just like that would be pretty drastic to what life would be, you know, yeah. in that kind of quarter of a year or so, but it's very similar to our, our own, nonetheless. Yeah. Some sort of convergent evolution on a very grand scale. Mm-hmm. Very, very grand. Or maybe everyone who's in East Space one time came, like, their ancestors came from end space, and it's just, they're the descendants of everyone who got sucked through that CVE. Mm, and so they're And, like, so they've all evolved separately on their different planets, and that's why there's space, like, spaceships crashed all over the place, but, like, Ooh. there's no seemingly other civilization that yeah, was like, there. Uh, kind of like a, um, you know, an interstellar or something, like someone left a gateway out here for us to find. <laughs> Uh, that so brings three me three that become one. Some other random Yeah, that brings me to the Gundams, which I thought were uh, kind of creepy robotics, and I really like the idea that there's all this backstory that they were able to kind of 
give to the doctor as he's trying to get information, but yet it's still kind of mysterious because you don't know exactly what they're talking about. You just know that they've got some information the doctor understands. And I think that really kind of adds to the story. I remember when I was a kid watching this, and I was pretty young when I first saw this, so I was probably 12 at the time. I, uh, I really did uh, feel kind of a realism to this script. Um, and, and the fact that I think with not only just the music, but also the soundscape that they had throughout the whole thing, mm-hmm. they, they really kind of, when you're in this void, you hear this kind of background kind of constant hum. And it really added to the whole atmosphere and just gave this kind of a, a really weird vibe. And, and so it gives, and I think with the Gundans, especially with the voice that they created for that robot, it really kind of gives it that kind of epicness or that kind of oomph that it needed. And it kind of makes sense, you know, you've got people who have been, you know, enslaved for who knows how long they build some fancy robots to come and take down their oppressors and then they end up just taking their place. Exactly. And, um... I liked the mirrors in this one. Mm -hmm. You know, where they're walking between the mirrors, it feels very Phantom of the Opera. Well, that was the, I, I think that was the concept that they were trying right, to Right, it was for. through the looking glass, he even mentions. Yep. It's like talking to the Cheshire Cat. Exactly. And then we've got Birok and Laszlo, the two Tharals that kind of are the main characters, which, and I know that that Birok was the original one that was uh, the navigator for the, um, for the ship. And he, I think, was extremely well acted. I think he, oh, his... Yeah. His gravity to everything and his air of mystery just was exactly what was needed. Um, and that's sort of this. air detachment. Yeah, half of his lines was really just speaking in riddles, and they were, you know, fantastic. <laughs> you know what we haven't mentioned yet is, and this is right at the very beginning, is that, and this is very unusual for Doctor Who, but the entire opening, which is similar in a sense to the Leisure Hive, which of course you have that long pan. This is a long pan throughout the entire ship, but you're going from the you start with the Tharals in their sleeping quarters, so to speak. Um, and then you kind of pan out through the door and then you go through all the corridors and then it pans right up and goes through the entire set that they designed. So this is pretty elaborate because you've got multiple levels mm. you've got multiple you've got multiple angles multiple areas and i i really like the direction that the director took with with the camera angles mm. going through everything and up and around and everything else you really get a sense of there's actually some space here it's not confined to one very small little set like a lot of other doctor who stories and that i think and obviously it still is in a sense but they utilized the space and the camera work to make it look like it was even bigger than it actually was, which I thought was brilliant. I thought that was really well done um, un- and, and unusual for Doctor Who. I, I thought the whole the thing with like when they're moving through that sort of half space or whatever thing was done well because it was... You know, it clearly showed, you know, being out of phase without being, like, too jarring. Mm-hmm. And also, the because of how the background was mainly in, in the space was white and bland, they were able to show, over time, how space was just contracting, and things were just getting closer and closer together. I thought that was a really good use of the camera work. Another thing on the camera work, though, I want to give is that one thing that has been starting to happen, and I'm not sure anyone else knows this, but they finally got the idea of how the green screen, where the camera needs to be for the green screen shot, 
versus where it is for like their black and white stills and almost angles. They almost lined up all the time. So it didn't look like he was walking at different depth for too long when, when he was walking through the the black and white garden. I thought that was really cool. Like I, that's the stuff I geek out on when, when they're learning their tech and finally getting their, their camera angles right and figuring that all out. Yeah, that black and white garden, that was really cool. Yeah, it cool. Well, Very goth. The and it was, I think it was, to me, it was like because of the angles shots. Like you didn't feel like, sometimes I, I think... Uh, yeah, it looked more like he was actually in there mm-hmm. than like he was a cartoon in front of it. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, for the time, the special effects for this episode were rather decent. And I mean, also the whole concept of, of the Doctor kind of going back through the mirrors back in time to yeah. see the Therals before, and then all of a sudden the quick changeover to uh, when he gets transported with Romana right back into the present day, it really felt like you did go through that. And although it was a little bit um, timey-wimey and kind of weird, it was just, it was well done. It was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and the sure. fact that, like, he was so, it was so uncontrollable like when they the the axe goes through it then it just turns and then you're like wait so where is he now and he's just sitting there with everyone else all around and they're just like yep. very artistically done mm-hmm. i love it all that, right i do want to i do want to throw out one criticism of this episode it was that nonsense thing about you're flipping a coin at different mm-hmm. places and it'll tell you the you know intention of the universe or whatever hey if it works <laughs> Well, it just gives you a 50-50 chance as to whether you're right or wrong. So. Not better than canine. And better than canine, <laughs> yes, because he was 87% wrong. So, hey, I think I think there's some... Adric might have been on something there. You know what? You, that's a, that's an excellent point, and I, and I withdraw my objection to that part of the story. <laughs> I don't... I mean, I don't have a strong objection to that part, but I do understand why you would come up with that, because it, it is a little hokey and a little bit like, oh, well, let's just go with chance. But, hey... Maybe that in this realm of like the the emptiness and the void, just taking a chance to go anywhere will get you somewhere. <laughs> I mean, if it keeps contracting, if you keep moving along, eventually you'll be getting closer and closer. As long as you have enough pickles. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was one of my favorite lines. Like, <laughs> we're gonna be dead as soon as you run out of pickles. Uh, uh, that's another reason why I thought they were from End Space because they had pickles. So the only reason why they'd have cucumbers would be like... East Space has clothes and they breathe air. And, and, and if we're going on my theory, then their ancestors were from End Space and they're, you know... That, it could be. I mean, just that, like it could be. And they maybe brought cucumbers with them. I mean, it, it's possible. I just, I thought the implication was they were humans that had somehow managed in their ship to get into East Space. No, I'm going to say, and someone who kind of knows this... Cucumbers is one of the worst calorie options of a food just to bring on the space vessel, period. Well, yeah, it's not exactly a, a go-to protein or anything. It takes up a lot of space it's and you don't main, get a lot of energy out of it. It's mainly water. Well, at least it's Dehydrated got vine- cucumbers. Cucumber oh. seeds. <laughs> <laughs> at least they have some sort yeah, of vinegar. Seasoning, you know, yeah. you I mean, it, it wouldn't make sense to bring seeds of a variety of oh, yeah, yeah. things. Oh, yeah, definitely. Sure, sure. Yeah. And seeds Beans. are very nutrient-dense. It's all sprouts. One hopes, at least later on, in the void. I, don't, I didn't see many sprouts out there in the void. And not much of anything. Yeah. It's, oh. it's a bleak, bleak, empty space. A void of just bright white nothingness. 
not so bleak was the makeup design of the Tharals, which I thought was rather well done. It was well done. And oh, a lot man. of people... What, what, what bearded beauties? No, well, no. They were the main attraction. Ah. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, it's easy to... It would be an easier or more fun thing to cosplay for a lot of people. It, well, it would be pretty well, difficult well, to cosplay. Will I see it on you at AwesomeCon? <laughs> no. <laughs> I have other things to do, I believe. Oh, that's... That's right. We are going to be at AwesomeCon. Woo, 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 June 17th, Saturday. Movie in review. Is this the, the fifth or the sixth fifth. time? Fifth. The fifth time presenting at AwesomeCon. We will be in room 206 at 4.15 p.m. on Saturday, June 17th. See you there or see you later. <laughs> <laughs> if you're able to make it to Washington, D.C., we realize that some of you out there might actually not even be in the United States. But hey, if you are and if you're interested, you could potentially be on the podcast. We will be live recording a podcast to put out later to all of you. <laughs> yeah, I think that defeats the purpose of live. But well, I don't know of another it, way to record it live unless you have a TARDIS or some sort of time apparatus or you're time sensitive. Some sort of TikTok. It gives them the opportunity to be able to be a part of the podcast and see what it's, what it's like to, to just be in the middle of all our, our craziness. We also had to deal with a goodbye in this one. You True. are the no- noblest Ramana of them all. Two goodbyes. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was thinking of a collective goodbye. Oh, okay. And a very good boy. Yeah. yeah. The best boy. So we've got Ramana and K-9 staying in the void with the Tharals and going all throughout E-Space. And, but K-9 does have the ability to build a TARDIS for later. Which, so. you know... Doesn't quite fit in with the more modern Who's interpretation of the TARDIS being, you know, having a biological component. Well, he and I yeah. can birth a TARDIS. He has that power. <laughs> well, maybe he, maybe they have something. Maybe Romano was left with something by the doctor well, to do so. So, so here, here's a theory. The, so the cat people, see, Tharls, the Tharls. Thank you. Couldn't remember the names for a second. Maybe. They have a resource that's capable of acting as a biological agent. We don't know. Yeah, All we that's know is that it, as long as Rona has the plans, she's going to be able to find. Them. Plus, she's a genius. So she yeah, might she is. She's a genius for a time lady. So she'll be able to figure it out. Um, though this does remind me. I mean, I do. I will say, we all miss Kane, the first canine's uh, original partner in crime. Um. But I would say Romana is still out there, isn't she? She is. So she comes back. She, 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 she comes back for the audio stories. I know. So basically, one of the things I've always wondered is, will we ever see her in modern day Doctor Who? That's a good question. As a matter of fact, a lot of people have suggested why not have Romana come back in yeah. some form. Doctor Who's the only problem. The only the only problem with that is that since Romana actually goes on to become Lord President of Gallifrey, it is suggested that she probably was definitely in the Time War and probably was definitely lost into wherever another realm that she went to, and if she was still on Gallifrey, of course. After it's been destroyed like countless times at this point, we don't. We really don't know. True. Yeah, I still don't understand why you could just like go back and visit her, you know, in that time or something. Probably grab her out of there because of reasons. <laughs> we will find a way. Well, you never know. 
But anyway, we do. That would be cool if we could see Ramana again, especially if we could see Ramana two again, because Lala Ward's still very much with us and still looks pretty young Lala. for age. So yeah, so it's possible that she could come back in some form. Hey, some of my favorite doctors and and companions have been older on Doctor Who. I I wouldn't knock you know any silver foxes out. On a slight tangent, it is rumored that another person or persons may be coming back what to the new series dish the goss what's the hot goss michael well it is possible that we may be actually seeing the original person on board the tardis susan foreman coming back what carol m ford's been a little bit mysterious with things to come but she has hinted that something's in brewing so. That was this week's hot goss. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's a little bit older goss, but I just figured I'd point that out since we were kind of on the on the realm. But anyway, back to Warriors Gate. Yeah, back to Romana real quick. I also liked that whole segment where she just quickly rattles off like various things about like how the TARDIS works and how they can see while they're flying and stuff. And it's all stuff that like you know that the Doctor would never be able to. No, because he just, you know, is making it up half the time while he's flying. And, you know, it's just it's just kind of fun to have that in there and to get that reminder of, you know, how much on top of everything science she is. Well, I think it gives Ramon a lot of personality in this story. The writing really helps, but Lala plays it so well. She really uh, kind of, when she leaves the TARDIS and she starts talking to those guys that uh, seem to be kind of dense in a way she she really outshines them she really really comes off as extraordinarily intelligent them being completely stupid Mm -hmm. which i loved i thought that was really well done as it should be Mm -hmm. oh yeah totally well she is intelligent i think she's definitely smarter than the doctor in many ways yeah and the acting you know it it pulled it off Mm -hmm. one criticism i'll give to this is adric canine and romana all hiding underneath that very obviously foiled tarp that could be heard for miles as soon as they touched it. <laughs> but there are no miles in non-space. I've, Actually, I've seen worse. That's, I've seen worse. by the way, a very good argument for it. For one, it was a theater trick. Like, yes, they, they cover themselves up and the guy walks past the, the way in which case he knew line of sight would have been, he would have been watching the whole thing happening. But I was thinking later on, because they talk about how everything is contracting, maybe when they were worried, they saw him as a little speck. But then all of a sudden, he's just there. Like, what if the way the contraction's working, now it's just getting shorter and shorter. So That's true. That is my one way of saying that that's how it works. It's not how it works, but that's how it works. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm glad you're giving it an excuse. But still, it, it is a slight criticism. I mean... I've been one known just to be kind of hard on it. Like, I, I got really hard on Aldrich. Really? Because I got hard on him for a while because he was just making... At the beginning, by the way, I was worried he was going to fall into it. So Ramon is the whole thing. The whole extra long put her hands over her, her head thing, which was... Well, he was, he was down with move. K-9 at the no, time. No, no, that was to tell... She said, stay put unless I give this signal. Oh, I thought that was a stay put. No, I oh. think... No, she said stay put... 
Oh, especially yeah. if I give this, you stay yeah, put. That's what, I, that's what I heard. And he, of course, goes straight to open the door. I'm like, well, no, uh, he didn't see her because you see him go down to K9 because some K9 trying to give him some information at that point. Oh. So he didn't see her. It's very clear oh, on that one that he was not able to see her do that at oh, that okay. point. It was just a split second. Adric looked away because he was still training on his eyes on that screen until K9 distracted him. So yeah, I think uh, you know he became really triumphant in the end when he was just like had that massive you know antenna dish like I don't know what this does but I control the buttons and it's pointed right at you oh yeah that was that was, that was awesome that was just like dang now I have to like you more <laughs> but then I was already on team Alder so not that much points <sighs> so if we had to rate this episode rate this Warriors Gate episode where, where would we land folks go for it Colin Oh, well, since I have, you know, been voluntold, I am right on the tail. Um, I will start us off here. Um, but I thought this was a great episode. Um, you know, it was, as we said, you know, I, I think it got straight to the meat of the matter. There was a distinct lack of filler, which in this age is somewhat of a rarity. Um, and finally, you know, even though K9, my main man, was dwarfed a little bit, he was not put in a corner. He had a lot of great lines. And I think it was a proper send-off for the goodest of boys. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Fantastic humor uh, written throughout. And we also have um, B-Rock of the Tharols. And he was one of my favorite characters that I have just seen in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, not only was him and his whole species like a great hook and interesting tale and, you know, gave us, you know, um, uh, somewhat more of a moral telling and really... uh, you know, good reason for the plot to move forward. Um, but it was just interesting. He was an interesting character. I thought he was portrayed well. Um, the tide movement and the time winds, um, I thought were a good hook for him. And um, more so, he just, you know, he. I thought he was a great philosophizer. But really, it's just kind of like, I guess, trippy, sage-like, you know, <laughs> Nostradamus kind of lines that he had here and there. But... I thought it was uh, a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, a good, great send-off for two characters. Um, I was gripped by this episode for whatever reason. It was in my headspace. But, uh, you know, more than that, I think this was one of the stronger episodes that I've seen in a while. I think I'm going to really rate this close to what I, I just rated the last episode, which I think was agreed by all to be, you know, a beloved favorite of, of some sort or another. But um, for me, it's, it's going to get an 8.5 out of 10, and I think it deserves it well. I'm like to go next, if that's all right with everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with 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 Colin on, on what he was saying about it. I think this is a really great episode. I think everyone in it really shown in you know their own ways on it. We had and we had really interesting concepts and you know the kind of idea of there being you know positive and negative space. It, it really you know, becomes at its most interesting in this sort of zero space Mm -hmm. in it. And they really pull it off. And there were just some fascinating ways that they were, you know, approaching the concept of time in this Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, approaching morality and ethics and redemption. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it really did, you know, show a lot. And like Colin said, there was great humor in this. I mean, and I think... That uh, I think this is one of the the best classic Doctor Who stories. Uh, I'm gonna give this one a ten. Oh, 
Wow. Oh, I'll go next. Don't worry. You don't, you don't have to go next. Will you just go? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> All right. So for me, I always like it. Doctor Who is always trying to have a theme. And sometimes they just really nail it. When I mean, you take the theme of like slavery, and there's a lot of ways you can go wrong or not 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 do it justice. But I think this is one of those ones, especially for the time, where they really nailed the the lesson, which is that you know, slavery is in all its forms just bad. You and just and you know, if someone else is just going to come the come take over, you know, the whole. Everyone who's stronger trying to override everyone else, and not just slavery, but also like workforce, because you also had the the it's issue. like the oppression of the different, right? right. The oppression yeah, of the, the quote unquote democracy. They had yeah. that shit. Oh yes, yeah. that line. Thank you. I forgot. I forgot about that line. These were all elements that were just woven in through this, and they weren't in in the way that they're not beating you over the head. I'm bringing it up because I think it was just well done. It was woven in there in a way that it felt organic. I also thought that the pacing was well. I thought that the camera tricks were really cool. Like, the tech was good. The special effects are great. I I can't... I liked Aldrich. I can't... How can I have a problem? Adric. Adric. Sorry. See, I'm horrible with names. <laughs> Adric. Sure. Yes. Anyway, so... That all said, I just... I, I had fun... It was, it's good also when you when you have when the episode you have to lose two companions, the best boy, and Romana, and when you lose those two, you want to make sure that they end on a really high note, and I think they ended on a very high note. Um, so for me, I always will say like there's these little nitpicky things. I want to get as like the closest thing to a ten, but a nine point five is where I'm gonna be. And I think this is because I can see a little nitpicks here and there. But other than that, close to perfect. I wish you all could have seen this story when you are a kid because I think the overall feeling about this story for everybody when it first came out was that this is very surreal, this is very out there, very different. For some it was a little confusing, but I mean, for us it was kind of easy because we're, we've had Stephen Moffat, so go figure. But I really, <laughs> I mean, I really think that, that this story was, I think, ahead of its time in its storytelling and its ability to kind of bring in the characters and bring you into a world that you actually cared about a lot of the characters. I even cared about some of the humans that were on board the ship. So. Um, because I think they were just well etched out. Um, again, it goes to writing. <clears throat> I think some of the writers in Doctor Who could probably learn something from this. Um, but I, I really love that. The music. Peter Howell comes out and does his usual trope here, and he even brings in some classical music when they go back in time and have the whole dinner feast. Um, he he kind of dives into that kind of... Um, I don't know what you'd call it, but just kind of, it felt like you were back in the Middle Ages kind of thing. Um, I just, it really felt surreal. And watching Romana go was absolutely heartbreaking for a kid in my shoes. And I didn't want her to go. Um, I think Lala Ward had had enough of Tom Baker at this point, so I think she was ready to go. Um, but I do realize that a lot of people had wished she had stayed on at least through the rest of Tom Baker. 
Wait, didn't she marry him after this point? She did, but that she had had enough of working with them. Oh, okay. I think they're. I think things soured because they were twenty four seven. They were always working together, and then they were always at home together. So it was like, <laughs> when do you get a break? Um, but they were just not compatible in, in the end, which is sad. But anyway, um, this story um, it does have some flaws and here and there, but I mean nothing that's egregious. I think. Uh, do I like it as much as I like State of Decay? Uh, no, I don't think so. But it's still way up there in my in my book. It's gonna get a nine out of ten for me, and I think that um, a lot of Doctor Who fans re- really do remember this story because it was so different. It had just had atmosphere. It had a completely different feel to it than almost anything that came before or after, and that's what makes it special. So, there you have it. We have gone through all of the e-space. Now that we have finished Romana, we're actually going to go back in time and start... We're actually going to start with Leela next time. We're actually going to go back so we can actually finish off all of the canine stories. So we'll get to go back and see more canine! Nice. Oh, I hear the leather bikinis aren't bad either. Oh yes, Leela's going to be one of those companions that Jeremy and Colin are going to absolutely adore watching. And I absolutely adore watching her for entirely different reasons. And it's okay if you like the Also, for any future AMA fans out there, uh, Leela from that show is actually based on Leela from this show. Yep, exactly. Um, and we're going to get into some pretty decent stories starting in season 14. Well, we'll be kind of in the middle of it. Um, but, uh, when we first watch the Doctor in our next story, he will be alone. No companion in the TARDIS. Wow. That would be different. But some of the, but I will say there is one character I think we're all going to love in this one. Any rate, that's enough for me. I'll have have to say goodbye to all y'all. One is the loneliest number that you can ever do. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.